it, 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 it's, it's during those times of uncertainty and you're just not sure about the, about the future. Th- those are the times, I think, for us as, as Christians that, that absolutely we grow the most in our walk with him. And, and as the, just the worship today and what was sung and what we're going to share with today, I believe is just so fitting as we're doing a study of the seven churches in Revelation that Jesus spoke to as we studied chapter 2 and 3 of the book of, of Revelation. Um, there, there's five churches that, that Jesus has a word for and that Jesus has correction for. But there's two churches that Jesus doesn't have any correction for. That I think we need to he- heed all those words because in one way or another, we, we all need correction in our life. There's ways that we can go wayward. And then Jesus loves the church so much that he wants to bring her back to his side and, and straighten out any crooked road that they may be wandering down. But then there's, there's these churches that, that Jesus speaks to. There's these two churches, one being Smyrna that we're going to talk about today, that is, is undergoing persecution that has really stood in the face of of coming against their culture and it it really hit them personally it 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 hit them in their jobs and so they're going through this very difficult time and and jesus writes this word at a perfect time to encourage them this is what i believe i it's interesting because i'll listen to I listen to a plethora of, of podcasts and, and, and many times I'll listen to TED Talks and I'm just, I like to hear what, just what people are saying in general. And it's interesting when, when people try to give answers for our world's dilemmas, for the dilemma that we're in and, and trying to give hope to people who feel hopeless and trying to f- solve our moral crisis. And I listened to one the other day that, that gave three examples of how we can solve our moral crisis and what was interesting, I heard nothing about God. And here's the other thing that I didn't hear anything about is the life after or heaven. Here's the thing that separates Christianity from every other belief system. We have a living hope in a living Savior who conquered death. So, so here's the thing. Good. I'm glad you said amen, church, because th- this Listen, if you read through the Gospels, and I hope you guys took the Gospel Challenge I gave you a couple of weeks ago. Um, maybe you didn't hear about it, but I challenged the church just to read through all four Gospels uh, in the month of September. And I, ho- I hope you took the challenge because you really digest the Gospels in, in one month, and it's a great way just to, to look at it and really, and really dig into it. But as you read through the Gospels, you're going to notice something of, of the persecution that Jesus went through and that his message by many, especially the religious, wasn't, wasn't well received. That when you read the epistles and the letters of the apostles, you're going to see that their lives weren't hunky-dory. It wasn't all cotton candy and potpourri. Can I get an amen? What kept them from losing hope? What kept them from just saying, you know what, I'm going to give up? What kept them going was their hope in heaven. That one day... God is going to restore those things that are broken. 
Listen, church, we have to recalibrate our minds because it's, isn't it? We all get there. It's so easy for us to get locked into this world and we get so short-sighted and we allow our, our problems and our situations to immerse, to immerse us without realizing that we have this hope in a Savior who conquered the world. That heaven wait, is, is waiting for those who have put their hope in this living Savior. Jesus, Jesus says, because I live, you will live also. And so that's the hope that we have. This is the message that is going to be delivered to this church who is basically destitute and has lost everything. And I want you to listen to what Jesus says to this church. So, so we understand that this message is given to John the Apostle who is, um, who is exiled to the island of Patmos, which is an island which is... Uh, off modern-day Turkey in the Aegean Sea, and, and, and that's where uh, Rome had this you know, prison colony. And so because of John's faithfulness to preach the gospel, he's there, and he's given this vision to write down. He's given this vision of what was, what is, and what will be. And so part of this vision, we're going to see, you know, if you read the book of Revelation, you'll see futuristic vision and how God... We'll pour out his judgment. Eventually, we see the new heavens and the new earth. And basically, at the end of Revelation, for those who love Jesus, we all win. So that, that's a nutshell in the book of Revelation. Okay, <laughs> And so the good news is we all win. Um, but, 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 but he's given this vision of, of what the church is now in Jesus' words to the church of the here and now. And not only words that are spoken to these literal seven churches in Asia Minor at the time, but it's also for us here today. And I believe those words that were spoken to the, these churches 2,000 years ago are just as valid then as they are um, today. So last week we looked at the church in Ephesus and how they were a very studious church, sound doctrine, kicking out false teachers, but they lost their first love. And Jesus corrects them to come back to their first love. The next church we see Jesus speak about is this church in Smyrna. Let me show you the map here. You can kind of get a visual here of, of there's, there's Patmos where John got the, the, rev, the revelation to write Revelation. And, and there uh, you can see Smyrna. Once again, a, a port city there in the Aegean Sea in where we see modern day um, Turkey. And so what I want to do is I want to look at uh, the book of Revelation, specifically chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, Jesus' words uh, to this particular church during that time in the city of Smyrna. And what I want to do for you is just kind of give you background of the city. This, this, will, um, this will help us and give greater insight to Jesus' words. So when you kind of read it face value, you're like, okay, well, what do some of these things mean? Because Jesus uses a, very, a lot of symbolic language that only that church would understand. So you and I reading it today, you're like, Okay, what does all that mean? Well, they would get it because they live in that city. So, so if I say garbage plates, how many know where, where you're from? Right? If you go around the nation, you go to somebody, it's like our secret coat, garbage plate. You're like, you're from Rochester. So I go hot dogs, right? You're from Rochester. We eat so well here, don't we? We just eat well. So it's, it's, a, it's a cultural thing, right? We, we know where you are from. And so this city had specific cultural identification to identify this, this city specifically to things that are going on in this city. So Jesus uses these cultural things to, to help them to see the bigger picture. 
to this hurting church. And so we'll, we'll dig into that. So let's see what Jesus says. You, you've got your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 2. Look up at the screens. If you've got your devices, you can look there. And let's see what Jesus says here. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is first and last, who was dead, but now is alive. I know your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those, those opposing you. They say there are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Boy, Jesus doesn't mince any words there, does he? He knows, he knows the people that are specifically coming against them and persecuting them because of their faith in, in Christ Jesus. Verse 10, he says, don't be afraid about what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. And you will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Let me just say this. These words from Jesus would literally breathe life into those who are suffering because of persecution. Jesus, I know you're suffering. I know what you're going to face. Here's specifically what you're going to face for 10 days. I mean, Jesus gets specific with them, but he says, whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Once again, Jesus is telling them, don't look at your present situation. Look to heaven. This is what awaits you for those who remain faithful to me. So let's look at this ancient city of Smyrna because it's very interesting. And Jesus will use a lot of symbolism, which they would understand living in this uh, particular uh, particular city. So I've got a picture here of just what kind of just some of the ancient artifacts here of, of that city. It was a city of around 100,000 people. It was a port city, which obviously made it very wealthy. It actually had paved roads, which is, was very uncommon during the time. So they had paved roads. They had libraries. They had a gymnasium. They actually had a YMCA there, first YMCA ever. Um, it, was just, it was just a very wealthy, incredible place. Um, Homer uh, rode in, in an odyssey there. I mean, no, Homer wrote the odyssey there. He didn't ride in an odyssey. That was a joke, by the way. Everybody just laughed because I thought that was funny. That flop, that went right here and just went, Bleh. okay, so Homer, <laughs> I got to stop doing uh, Reader's Digest jokes, no more Reader's Digest jokes. So Homer, he, 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 he's the one that wrote the, the, the Odyssey and the Iliad, he was said to be born there. Um, the city was in very good standings with Rome. Actually, they built a, temp- a temple to Caesar there. Emperor worship was mandatory there. Um, Polycarp, an, an early church father, was actually burned at the stake there for refusing to confess Caesar as Lord. Um, the city was recognized for its accomplishments, and uh, they were actively involved in the Olympic Games. Um, and this is where you can kind of see Jesus' symbolism about the crown, because um, a laurel crown or wreath was given to those who accomplished great things, not only in the Olympic Games, but if you accomplished great things, you were given this this laurel crown or wreath, and it was a symbol of victory and honor. Now, here's the thing about that wreath that Jesus says to this church who is hurting. 
Um, Jesus' words to the church about receiving this crown of life would be very symbolic to this church. For this reason, only the elite, only a very select few would receive this laurel wreath. Not everyone would receive it, but Jesus says to them, you may not have this wreath that the world recognizes, specifically maybe through the Olympic Games, but I have a crown of life for you that you will wear eternally in me. And that would give the church hope that, that saying that Jesus understands what they're going through, that he says, remain faithful to me. Keep running the race. Don't give up. So what can we learn from Jesus' words to the church in Smyrna? What are some things that we can learn here? Well, well, we understand this was a church that was suffering from persecution and would probably have to face martyrdom um, because of their faith. And so what Jesus does is he gives some wonderful, comforting words to the suffering church And this is what Jesus says to them. He says, these are the words of him who is first and last, who has died and come to life. So what is Jesus saying here? What what comforting words does Jesus give to this hurting church? Well, Jesus tells, tells the church that he says this, I have the last word. I've got the last word. Have you, have you ever, have you parents, have you ever gotten into a argument with your your child, and they just want to argue all the time. And my dad would just say this to me, Barden, you lose. Don't continue to argue, you lose. I've got the last word because I'm your father. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's the last word. You're the authority in this place. You have the last word. And for a, ch- a younger child, that's hard to learn that the parents have the authority and they have this last word. And so Jesus says, listen, you may see all these things going on. You may see persecution, but I want you to know I have the last word. I have the final say. I know what you're going through. I haven't forgotten about you. Your problems, your persecution doesn't have the last say. Now track with me here. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're faced with, That thing does not have the last word. Somebody say amen. Here's the reason why. We can look at our situations and it can seem so devastating, but we have to understand that we serve a Savior who ultimately has the last word. He is in control even when it feels like or it looks like your world is out of control. Jesus is in control. He has the final word word. So this is comforting them because don't let your circumstances that you see right now get the better of you. I have the last word here. I have the final authority. And then Jesus also tells them that he is their redeemer. And so what's interesting about, about, about Smyrna is, is that it had a great earthquake that, that basically devastated, decimated the city. And the city, because of the earthquake, uh, was literally a city that, that died, that came back from death. And, and Rome helped to actually rebuild the city. And, and Jesus is telling the church that he is in control. That, that not even death, not even death will hold you back from me. That because I live, you live, you will live also. Even though your struggle is real, I will be with you. I will redeem you. I am the one that will bring you through. I am the one that has died, and I am the one who has risen from the grave. 
And so they would understand this in their city, seeing their city decimated by this earthquake, and it would seem like everything is dead, and then, and then they re, their, their lives were rebuilt. The city was rebuilt. And this is what Jesus says to us. This is when everything just seems a mess. He goes, I will rebuild everything. I will restore all things. I love the passage found in John 11, where Jesus is delayed in going to the death of Lazarus, his friend, Mary, Martha's brother. And they called for him, but he delayed coming until he obviously was dead. And then, you know, the story goes where Jesus comes and Lazarus come out and, and, and he brings Lazarus back from the dead. And it's this huge miracle. But what's interesting about the story is, is the faith of, of these two sisters because they knew Jesus could have done something. They knew they, he could have healed them. And Jesus has this conversation with Martha because when Martha hears the news that Jesus is coming, Lazarus is already dead, but she, she goes to meet him. And in John eleven twenty five, where said, Jesus said to her, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live he answers this question do you believe this before jesus even goes and raises her brother from the dead he he wanted to know where her faith was do you believe this and she did she put her faith in christ yes i believe this death cannot hold us back from knowing god death does not have the final say boy if that doesn't bring you comfort i don't know what does and so hope in the face of of death doesn't have to have the final say for those who are in christ jesus so so what does jesus let's make this personal because these are the words that that needed to breathe life into this hurting church and so jesus cares for this church he cares for their persecution he 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 cares what they're going through and so he's he's breathing these encouraging words so how can we place these words into our life what what does jesus do for us how how does jesus bring hope to us in the midst of of despair well here's here's how it looks i want you to understand this about the person of jesus christ first of all i want you to understand that he comes to us at the place where we are he comes right into the place where we are has there ever been a time in in your life where where christ just met you at the point of your need you were broken you were hurting something happened in your life and you're like, man, I just, I just felt like Christ came right there at the point of, of, of my need. It's funny at times, and I don't know if this happened to you, but, but um, Jesus is so faithful to do this in our lives. Maybe there's a time where you're really discouraged, and this happens to me quite often, where you're just discouraged and you're down and you're just like, uh, just things aren't going the way that you want them to go, or maybe there's some news or whatever, and all of a sudden there's just this note or there's this card, or someone just says, I, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And all of a sudden, you, just, you get this reminder that God hasn't forgotten about you. It, it just comes at the right time. I mean, there have been just some times in my life where I was just discouraged. And like, I remember one time someone just shot me a text, and it was like at the exact time it's like 
They were there. They knew nothing about the situation. It was like they were in the situation. I'm like, what? How did you know? And they're like, Pastor, I was just praying for you, and the Lord just led this on my heart to pray for one of your children. I'm like, what? Right? And it just reminds you that God is faithful to know exactly where we are. If you feel that the Lord has laid someone on your heart, let them know. Send them a letter, send them a text, whatever, whatever you just say, you know what the Lord laid you on my heart. I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. You have no idea what that might mean to the other person who is going through that struggle. And I believe God uses us to encourage other people that God is still working that God has not forgotten about you. Maybe you're reading God's word and that, and that word just jumps off the page and just speaks to your heart to give you encouragement in that time that you're going through. God wants to speak to our hearts. God wants us to know that I haven't forgotten about you. And that's why Jesus speaks this word to this hurting church because he didn't want them to, to, he didn't want them to feel that he has forgotten about them. And I love when God does that. So just maybe this week, maybe you've been thinking about somebody or maybe there's someone that you know is just going through something and you're praying for them. Let them know. Write them a note. Let them, send them a text. Do something. Just let them know, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I just want you to know uh, that I love you and, and you'll never know uh, how much that, that means um, to people. And, and, I, and I, I've shared this with you all before, but I have this little file in my desk it's my encouragement file and i i keep the i keep um the encouraging notes that people have sent me and i burn the ones the mean ones. no i'm just teasing i'm just teasing. there's not a lot of it. um i have a little fire pit in the back of the church there what's that it's all the mean letters people say no um and and and, and when i'm discouraged sometimes like monday mornings <laughs> or sunday afternoons uh those are terrible times for pastors that's why i say pray for me on sunday afternoon and monday morning it's the time that we always want to resign and then my friend ray talks me out of it and we go on but um i i go through those i go through those um that, that encouragement file. And it just encouraged me like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh yeah. You know, it's like the Lord reminds you, remember when you went through that time and then you hear this letter and you know, I'll date it. And it's just, it's a way to encourage, it's a way to encourage me to look back, to see God's faithfulness in my life. And God is faithful, isn't he? He's so faithful to meet our needs in, in so many different ways. So he comes to the place where we are. And then the, the next thing I want you to see there is Jesus comes in our weakness to give us strength. And, and, and the church in Smyrna definitely did not have an easy time of it. They did not have an easy time of it. They were weak. Uh, they needed strength. Jesus knew that this church was being persecuted for him. Jesus, Jesus has no words of rebuke for this church. Instead, he, he says this, even though you are in poverty, you're actually rich. Now, this church was an actual, literally in poverty, the word poverty there literally means object poverty, means they, were, they literally possessed nothing. And here's the reason why this church was this, this object poverty. Um, they would not compromise by saying Caesar is Lord. Now, okay, so what, what does that mean? Um, you would have to literally burn incense to, to Caesar and declare him Lord. Now, this, this, 
This Caesar worship was kind of intertwined through the business world also, through the, through the trade guilds. And, and that's where your lively, most of the people's livelihoods came from. So if, 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 if you didn't do this, it meant persecution both physically and, and financially. So if you didn't recognize Caesar as Lord, it would mean uh, what kind of job you would have. And this could keep you out of the local guilds and thus unemployment. So for them to stand up and say, we're not going to worship Caesar, it just wasn't a personal thing. It actually became part of their employment because it was interspersed within these trade guilds. And so if you didn't recognize Caesar the Lord, it meant that you, you, what kind of job you could have, and it, it basically meant unemployment. And so they lost everything following Jesus. But yet Jesus says to them, even though you're poor, you're actually rich. He goes, you're rich. Even though you don't have these earthly treasures, they had heavenly riches that could not be taken away from them. And Jesus wanted to remind them of what was truly important of what their, where their hope truly was, that it wasn't in this earth, because none of the things in this earth we can take with us. Right? I mean, we hear it all the time. I mean, I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. You, just, you, don't, you don't see it. There's no car carriers on a hearse. You don't, you, you, we, we came into this world with nothing. We leave with nothing. And so he's reminding them that this world isn't all what it is. So Jesus understands everything that they're going through. And as I, you know, as I was, as I was preparing for the sermon, I, 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 it really began to make me think about the persecuted church. There are so many places in our world today that, that you cannot openly worship. There are churches in our world today that the government will say, listen, will allow you to worship. We're not recognizing you as an official church, but we're going to put surveillance cameras in your church. And if you don't, we're going to shut your church down because the government wants to see everything that's going on. And and one of the most persecuted places is is in North Korea. And I I wanted to show you, I, I don't want us as a church here with the freedoms that we have in our world today to forget about the persecuted church because Smyrna was a persecuted church. And I don't want us as a church to ever forget that there are brothers and sisters around the world that are suffering for their faith and standing up for what they believe. Um, there's, a, there's many organizations. One that we support is Voice of the Martyrs. That's an advocate. They're a voice advocate for uh, the, the, the church, for the, for the persecuted church around um, the world. There's another group called um, Open Doors Ministry that also does a great job in being a voice uh, for Uh, the persecuted church. And I just want to show you a quick clip of one true story uh, about a believer in North Korea. So go ahead and look up at the screens. some time with a, a remarkable lady called Haywoo. She's North Korean, 70 years old, and hands down, 
one of the most energetic people I've ever met. But Heiwu's life has been full of trauma. In 1997, in the midst of a great famine in North Korea, Heiwu's daughter, in her mid-twenties, starved to death in her own home. Heiwu's husband escaped to China. He found God. But sadly, he was caught by the secret police. And six months later, he died in a North Korean prison camp. Heiwu said to me, I was shocked to hear that my husband had become a Christian. But instinctively, I knew that he had found the truth. It wasn't too long after this that Hei Wu herself escaped to China and, like a husband, through a series of events, became a Christian. Hei Wu was caught by the secret police. She was repatriated to North Korea and placed into a prison camp. As I spent time talking with Hei Wu about life in these prisons, death so rampant, that bodies would lay on the ground for three or four days without being cleaned up. Stories of mental and physical abuse that would make you sick to the pit of your stomach. I couldn't help but wonder, what is it about people like Hei Wu that, that makes them risk everything for the privilege of being in a relationship with Jesus? You see, in the middle of one of the darkest places on earth, Heiwu chooses to do something so radical, so dangerous, and so Christ-like. She said to me that in the middle of this prison, God gave her a heart to evangelize, to tell my fellow prisoners about Jesus. And so right here in the middle of a North Korean labor camp, a secret fellowship, a secret church begins. I wanted to show you that because I, I love looking at that, that little boy in that last clip. You know, not, not to, I think sometimes when we hear about that, we're like, not, not to pour shame or guilt upon us, but just to realize the immensity that people put in their relationship with Christ that even means, means death. That's, that's where this church is. That's where this church in Smyrna was. And I wanted to show you that to realize that we as a church need to realize, number one, we're privileged with what we have in the United States, aren't we? We're very privileged. And we, we have a responsibility um, with that privilege to, to pray for our hurting brothers and sisters around the world. We have that responsibility to, to go and to reach out to those around the world like we do when we go on, uh, on, on trips, on uh, world missions trips. 
But here's the thing I, I want us to realize here in, in, as we just kind of close at the time. I, I, do, I, I want to end in, in, in prayer together with, with the church here today. I, I want us to realize, where, where is your hope today? I mean, this woman that he speaks of that lives in North Korea had this unshakable hope because her hope was in an unshakable God. Is your God today unshakable? See, our circumstances don't have to shake us when we have an unshakable God. Because my hope is not in my circumstances. My hope is in a God who's overcome for me. Jesus Christ said, listen, in this world you're going to have tribulation in John 16, 33. But he he said, take hope. I've done what? I've overcome this world for you. That's our hope today. So so how does God, here's the question. How does God use our trials? How does God use your trials? There's a wonderful passage that we see in the word of God. And this is what I want to finish with real quickly today. Is how God uses your trials. Well, here's how he uses them. He, your trials, I want you to understand this, that your trials and what you go through is an opportunity for your faith to grow more than any other time in your life. I like what Paul says here in Romans 5, 3 and 5. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know, we know, we know, we know, everybody say we know, that they help us to develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Amen. Great verse. Second thing I want you to see is your trial doesn't have to consume you. It doesn't have to consume you. Psalm 27 one says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then I want you to, as I finish with this, I want you to understand this is that your trial does have a purpose. It does have a purpose. God uses it for his purposes and his glory Paul again in Romans 8, 28 says, For we know, for we know, everybody says, we know, we know, there it is again, that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't mean that the things that you're going through is good, but God can even use the difficult things in our lives for his glory. He's going to eventually use them for his good and for his glory. And so here's what I want to do today. I don't know what, what, what you're going through today. What trial you may be going through today. I want you to put your hope in Christ today. See, when we, when we begin to understand how big our God is, it begins to change my perspective about my life. It just does. It, it, the, the things in this world that seem like they have so much meaning begin to kind of lose their meaning. They, they don't have as great an attachment 
on our lives. That's why you can see this extreme faith of this woman in North Korea, because the things of this world just kind of lose their luster in the light of God's glory. And so maybe you're here today and you're just going through just, just a time. And I, I want you to know to, to give those things to the Lord and, and allow, allow God in the foundation that you have in Christ to well up in your heart and put your trust in him today. So I want to pray for you. We're going we're gonna to close in song today. And if you want to come up today and just pray in the front here around the altars, I'm going to just say come and, and just let God do what he needs to do in your heart. Um, I purposely tried to finish a little early for that reason. So, so we could just leave time just to pray. And just allow God to do what he needs to do in your heart today. I don't want to lose this moment of what God is speaking to your heart today. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Jesus has overcome for us. Our hope is in him today. So let that hope well up in your hearts and your lives of a conquering Savior who conquered death for us. So Father God, as we just come before you today, as we just lay our hearts before you today, I just pray for those who are just struggling here today, and I pray that our hope would be in a big, huge God who has overcome for us. Our faith is not in this world. It's so quickly passing away. It's just sinking sand. But when our hope is in Christ Jesus, it's built on a firm foundation that no matter what this world may throw at us, we know that Christ has overcome and that we will be victorious in him. So I pray for those that are just struggling right now, that God, you would bring your hope into their lives that they would lay those things at your feet and allow your strength and your hope to well up in their hearts today, that maybe they're faced with a very difficult trial right now, that they don't, they don't see the outcome. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's a family thing, whatever that thing may be. And it's just, it's so gripped their hearts that it's just, it's suffocating them right now. Lord, I pray that the chains would be taken off our hearts today, that our hope would be in Christ today. So do what you need to do in our hearts and our lives right now, I pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you just stand with me as we sing this? I'm going to invite you, if you want to come and just...